favorite Old Testament book. If you've not studied the book uh, or read it thoroughly, I really encourage you to do that. Uh, And then in the New Testament, we're going to go to Philippians uh, chapter 3. So Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and Philippians chapter 3. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that it preserves, is, is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. And then over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 8 and read down to verse 16. Paul is writing here, and he's talking about his own life. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. 
Only let us hold true to what we have attained. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. Well, there were three guys that were out walking. And uh, now I'll let you ascertain their level of intelligence here. But these three guys, they were out walking and they got lost in the desert. I mean, completely, utterly lost. I mean, the sun is beaming down. They're hot. They're struggling. They're tired and everything. And so they're walking, trying to find their way. And, and after what seemed like hours and hours, they came upon an old abandoned car. And they thought, oh, okay, maybe there's something here. And the car was broken down. It wasn't going to run or anything. Uh, but they looked around a little bit, and they found a toolbox. And, and one guy thought, you know, uh, I bet the radiator has water in it. And so if I get really, really thirsty, maybe I can drink the water in the radiator. Now, you, you shouldn't do that, by the way. If you don't know that, uh, kids, don't ever try that. Uh, so he took the tools, he took off the radiator, and kind of tucked it, under, tucked it under his arm. Second guy, he thought, you know, windshield washer fluid, windscreen washer, uh, if I take the, the reservoir out, there's water in that reservoir, and I could drink that if I got really thirsty. Now, again, that's not something you should drink. So kids, don't do that at home. No, no windshield, windscreen washer fluid. So he gets, he gets the windscreen reservoir. The third guy, he detaches the door from the side of the car. And then they start walking again. And they walk for, gosh, at least another hour or so. And then finally, the first guy, you know, it, something strikes him. It strikes him kind of weird here. So he, he looks at the third guy and he says, listen, you know, I... I got the radiator because I thought it might have some water to drink in it. And, and our friend here, he, he got the windscreen uh, reservoir, so he might have something to drink. Why did you, why are you carrying the door? And he said, well, I, I thought if it got too hot, I could roll down the window. <laughs> uh, again, you could, uh, you could decide... Uh, how, how, how intelligent or not they are. But speaking about being lost, back in uh, 2014, uh, there was a 30-year-old woman in Australia who had gone out swimming to a, a local swimming hole or a swimming hole with a bunch of friends uh, in September. And uh, her fiancé was there, and she had a big argument with her fiancé. This is a true story, by the way. She had a big argument with her fiancé, and so in order to you know, kind of calm down and cool off a little bit with the argument, she decided to, to take a stroll out into the bush. And she never came back. Uh, her friends, eventually they got worried about her, and there was a, a massive manhunt for this woman. Uh, the searcher spent 800 hours at least searching for this woman, uh, and they couldn't find her. They couldn't find her, and after more than a week, uh, they decided to give up a little bit on the search. Uh, they still were hoping that she'd be alive, but you know, after a week out in the bush, all alone, uh, in her you know in her swimsuit and everything like that, they didn't hold out much hope. Seventeen days later, the woman turns up at the exact same place where she left, only 
she was not wearing any clothes. She had an old fertilizer bag on. She was severely sunburned, dehydrated. She had lost uh, 16 kilos uh, and had a big gash in her leg. And a farmer found her, uh, and, and they, they took, took her to the hospital. Uh, she survived by eating bugs and fish and drinking water from a creek for 17 days on her own. Uh, the reason why nobody could find her was that instead of turning around and just going back in the direction from which she came, she decided to go uphill into a mountain area where the search team thought it would be completely illogical for anybody to go. And so they never found her. That's a true story. Thankfully, she survived. But it really tells us that how we orient ourselves makes all the difference in how well we navigate in any situation. How we orient ourselves, the directions that we take, knowing where we are, knowing where, we go, where we're going, knowing where we've been. We've been, all these things are absolutely essential for any journey. And they're also essential for us as we live our lives. Otherwise, we can get lost and wander into all kinds of disaster. How we orient ourselves, especially with respect to our past, our future, and our present, makes all the difference. Now, we're going through a challenge here, a challenging season with uh, this pandemic, And even though in many respects it feels like it's easing up, the journey is still ongoing. Uh, And it's going to be quite some time. And I know many people are struggling. They're saying, you know, where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Uh, If you're a young person, it's, it's brought some really serious issues into your life. You know, what's the future going to hold? Am I going to be able to get a job? What will I be able to do with my life? Will I be able to live out my dreams? What, what, where can I go? What options do I really have? And so it's important, it's essential that we orient ourselves properly. And that's what Paul was doing in this passage in Philippians. It's one of the ways to, to read it. He was orienting himself and showing this to the Philippians in terms of saying, okay, this is my future, this is my past, and this is my present. And he was getting a realistic understanding of these things in order to live his life effectively. And if you don't have the realistic understanding, if you don't have the right orientation, you could easily wander off into the wilderness and find yourself carrying a detached car door waiting to roll down the window. But what does Paul tell us here? What is he talking about? Let's look first at the future. What lies ahead? We're going to look at the future, we'll look at the past, we'll look at the present, and we'll look at how we got to live in light of all these things. So the future, what lies ahead? What is really ahead of us? Now, I'd like to be able to tell you exactly when COVID will be done. I would like to be able to tell you exactly when the economy uh, will recover. I'd like to be able to tell you the lottery numbers that you should pick uh, in order to win and and make 
multiple millions of pounds so that you can tithe to the church. You know, I'd like to tell you all these things, but I can't do that. But we do know our future as believers in Jesus Christ. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You know, that is a promise for us as believers in Jesus. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We, if we've been saved by grace through faith, we have experienced the power of Christ's resurrection and uh, we live into that reality. We live into that reality. We know that the day will come when we will live in a new heaven and a new earth. That God never intended this universe to be permanent. And actually, scientists know this. Scientists know that eventually, left on its own, this universe will finally run down and cease to exist. Now, it's going to be a a lot of years before that happens, unless God intervenes, which he's going to. But we know from the beginning, God never intended this universe to be permanent. God intended this universe to be a place where he could demonstrate his love most supremely. He could demonstrate his wisdom most supremely. He could show his grace most fully. But he always planned, even if Adam had not sinned, God always planned a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to live into that reality. That is our future. That is our future. We don't live just for this life. We live for the new heavens and the new earth. And we want to be part of that. We don't want to be those who are separated from that. But also, this all means that we will experience the fulfillment of our purpose as human beings. We all have a purpose. And God intends to fulfill that purpose in you. I think part of that will be fulfilled in this life, but part of that will be be fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes again. But this is our future. And by the way, your purpose can only be fulfilled in Christ. You will not have a fulfilled purpose outside of Jesus Christ. But this is our future. This is where we're going. This is what God has for us. Uh, And that's really good news. And so we have to be oriented toward this future. We need to be oriented toward this future. Now, if you were reading there the, uh, uh, the, the Ecclesiastes passage, you'll notice a, a verse that sounds very, very strange. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, I always miss that. You'll notice the verse sounds strange. Verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. In other words, it's better to go to a funeral home than it is to go to a club. (laughs) Sounds kind of strange. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. What is he saying here? He says, eventually, you're going to die. We're all going to die. 
And you need to live in the reality that you are going to die. And the big question is, will your life matter before you do? And the big promise is that in Christ, your life does matter. And it will matter before you do. We live into the outcomes of our lives. So we need to take the future for heart to heart. If you live only for the present, you will be lost. We live into the outcomes of our lives and we need to take the future to heart. And knowing where we're going helps us to endure the journey. Knowing where you're going helps us to do it, endure the journey. Uh, you guys know we went to Scotland. It was our holiday. We love going up to Scotland. The, you know, the thing I like the least, I, I love the United Kingdom. I love England. So don't, don't mishear this. But you know what I like the least about going to Scotland? It's the drive from London to Gretna, the, the city that, over the border in Scotland. That first six hours is really kind of boring and can be kind of miserable because if you're going to have a traffic jam, it's going to happen in those six hours. One, one time, we, we went on a toll road and there was an accident and we were delayed two hours on the toll road and we still had to pay the toll. I mean, that was annoying, you know? Uh, and so knowing where I'm going, though, is what helps me to endure the journey or flying. Uh, I, I kind of enjoy flying. I haven't flown in some time now, obviously. I'm not afraid of flying again. I hope to do so. But uh, you know the thing I don't like? I don't like traveling to the airport, and then I don't like the airport. I try to like the airports, but I don't like the airports. But how do I survive airports? I survive airports, and I survive that long journey to the, the airport, because I know my destination. So knowing your future helps you to endure the journey that you will go on to get there. And as Christians, we have to have that right orientation to our future. But we need to have an orientation as well to our past. We need to have a right orientation to our past. What lies behind? The future is what lies ahead. The past is what lies behind. You know, one of the big things that lies behind in your life, if you're a Christian, your sins and failures. Nobody should say, I'm a failure. And if you've said that to yourself, rebuke it and cancel it. Because you are not a failure. Do you know what can determine if you're a failure? It'd be the end of your life. Not, certainly not the middle of your life. And if you failed at something, guess what? The failure is in the past. The failure is in the past. It's never in the present, and it's never in the future. Now follow me. Say if you're going to play the guitar, and you pick up the guitar, and you take a couple of lessons, uh, you say, hey, Samuel, give me some lessons here. Tell me how to do it. I want to, I want to play a guitar like you play a guitar. You're the best guitarist I've ever seen. So, uh, you know, and Samuel, you know, he, he goes and he gives you a few lessons and you're really struggling. You, you push down on the strings and your fingers are hurting and things like that. And, and, you, and you, you can't get the chords right. 
and you say, oh man, I'm a failure. I, I just failed at the guitar. No, you haven't. You got to keep practicing. None of us liked it when we first tried to push in on those strings and it hurt our fingers. None of us liked it. You're not a failure until you stop playing the guitar. But once you stop playing, if you failed at it, it's in the past. It's not in the present. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Your sins, they're in the past. They're in the past. Now, you might be sinning, but then stop. And as soon as you stop, your sin's in the past. Your failures and your sins don't define you. What about disappointments? Guess what? Your disappointments are in the past. It's a past thing that happened to you that caused disappointment. Disappointments are in the past. That makes sense. But also, your successes and your accomplishments are in the past. Now, everything you know, every sermon that I preach is, is in the past, except the one I'm preaching now, and pretty soon it's going to be in the past. Every accomplishment, every success I've had is in the past, which means I need to keep going for success, and I need to keep growing, and I need to keep uh, achieving things. That makes sense. You can't stop with any of these things. And by the way, don't live from your past successes and accomplishments. I love what uh, uh, Solomon says here, verse 10 in Ecclesiastes. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Anybody who's looking to the past and living in the past glory days... It's not wise. I had an elder in my first church. He says, anybody who longs for the past doesn't remember it. And he grew up in a time, he said, I, I like having a washing machine. I like having a refrigerator. I like having indoor plumbing. Uh, and these were all things that he'd grown up without. So we can't just live in the past. And that's especially true now. We can't be looking back and say, well, before COVID, this was the case or this was the case. We don't live in that reality. Now, our past helps make us who we are, but it does not determine who we are. And your present relationships are much more important than your past. Your past helps make you who you are, but it doesn't determine who you are. Looking behind you, whether it's at your successes, your accomplishments, your failures, your disappointments, or your sins, looking behind you means that you cannot look ahead. It's impossible. And one of the most dangerous things you can do if you're trying to drive is to look behind you. I don't know if you've ever heard of rubbernecking, but rubbernecking is where you're driving on the motorway and there's an accident on uh, the other carriageway and you want to look at the accident, so you're driving at 70 miles an hour and you look this way. That's rubbernecking. That's dangerous. A lot of people have accidents and die. In fact, that's one of the most common ways that you have a total motorway closure is that somebody got into an accident rubbernecking. And so if you're always looking back, you can't look to the present and you can't look to the future. So we have to have the right orientation to our past 
and we also need our orientation to the present. The present is what lies right in front of you at this moment, at this time. And Paul points this out, you know, what lies right with us, right at this moment, at this time. It's the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Knowing Jesus Christ is worth more than anything else. It's worth more than anything else in this life because knowing Jesus Christ is what gets us into the next life. It's what gets us into the fulfillment of our purpose. It's what gets us into the future. There is nothing more valuable in life than knowing and following Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Paul tells us that we are not only found in Christ, but also Jesus Christ is living in us. We are in Christ. Christ is in us. That is our present reality. And if you're a Christian, it is an ongoing present reality. If you're a Christian, there's never a time when Christ is not in you. And there's never a time when you are not in Christ. And there's never a time when you're not linked together with God's people. Right now, with us right now, in our present, we have a righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus. It doesn't come by the law, and it certainly doesn't come because we work for it. Simply by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus has given us a right relationship with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and a right relationship with one another. That's what righteousness is all about. And we have that right now. We have this righteousness that comes by faith through in Jesus Christ. Right now, we have an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a call of God on your life and it goes up, it doesn't go down. The call of your life doesn't go backward. It goes forward. It doesn't go down. It goes up. And now this is not some pie-in-the-sky kind of thinking. This doesn't mean that there won't be some struggles or stuff, but you have an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this upward call means that you will have opportunities to glorify God in Jesus Christ. You were created, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, you were created to do good works that God prepared in advance for you to do. Your opportunities are not done. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. You still have opportunities to glorify God in Christ Jesus. That's your upward call. Your upward call of God in Christ Jesus also is about your integrity. As Solomon said, a good name is better than the finest ointment. Your integrity is worth everything. And it's part of your upward call in Christ Jesus. I remember a few years ago, I was in the States. We went out to, um, to a restaurant with our spiritual daughter, Katie. Uh, many of you know Kate. She's been here. She was here, a member here for, for a number of years. And uh, I discovered as I looked over the, the bill that the woman had undercharged us for a couple of things, about $10 or so. And so when we went up to pay, I pointed this out to her and she said, oh, wow. Uh, and she made the correction. I paid the money and she said, uh, it, you know, it's so good that you pointed this out. 
And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, my integrity is worth more than $10. Your integrity is who you are in, in the quiet. Your integrity is all about your character and growth in that character. And your integrity is one of your most precious assets. Right now, your upward call in Christ Jesus also involves your joys and your sorrows, your pleasure and your pain. It's not going to be an easy journey, but it's not a miserable journey either. It will have some miserable bits to it, like maybe driving through England to get to Scotland. But there's going to be good bits as well. And the pleasure, the pain, the joy, the sorrow, it's all part of the process, and it's all part of your upward call of God in Jesus Christ. And that's part of your present reality right now. Now remember, in your present reality, with this upward call, with how God's working in your life, remember that you're not going to be able to figure out what God is doing in your life. I remember many, many years ago, I was having some real struggles in my previous church. And I was praying, and, and I actually thought I was going to have to leave the, that church. Uh, and I was asking the Lord, okay, Lord, what are we going to do next? And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Rod, you're not going to f- be able to figure this out. Don't even try to figure it out. Just keep going. Uh, and it was true, uh, because the next step was coming here to London. And I never would have figured it out. I couldn't figure it out. It was impossible. And we need to remember that we cannot figure out at any point in time in the present where we will be in the near future, let alone the distant future. That's what Solomon was saying here when he says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. When it's going well, be happy. But in the day of adversity, He doesn't say be sad. He says, in the day of adversity, consider this, God's made both of these things. You'll have days of adversity. You'll have days of prosperity. uh, And God's done this, so you're not going to be able to figure it out. So just go with the Lord. Just accept what the present brings you and know where you're going in the future and don't drag the past along behind you. And that's our right orientation. So according to Paul then, if we're rightly oriented to the past, to the present, and to the future, or in proper order, to the future, to the past, and to the present, if we're properly oriented, how do we live? How do we take advantage of that proper orientation? How do we live in the reality of that orientation? He tells us a few things in this passage. First of all, he says, forget what lies behind. Forget what lies behind. Forget what is in your past. Now, what does it mean to forget? Because some of us, maybe you've been really deeply wounded. Or maybe you've gone through a very deep disappointment in your life. And you say, I can't can't forget that. It's, it's kind of always there. You need to understand what the Bible means when it says forget. When the, you see the word forget in the Bible, it means do not call it to your mind. 
It's an intentional action. You know, the Bible tells us that God forgets our sin. And you think, well, God knows everything. How can he forget our sin? It doesn't mean that suddenly he thinks, oh, well, I, I, I don't remember what this guy did in the past. No, of course God remembers, but he chooses not to call it to his mind. And he certainly chooses not to hold it against us. So you forget what lies behind. And in doing that, you must consider as rubbish everything in comparison with Jesus. Whatever sins you had are rubbish. Whatever disappointments are rubbish. Whatever successes are rubbish. Whatever accomplishments are rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord. And you must think of it as rubbish because as soon as you start to think of it as having inestimable value or worth or it's the thing that defines you, that's the moment that you start to diminish Jesus Christ in your life. And the moment you diminish Jesus Christ in your life is the moment that you start to throw away your present and your future. Apologies. So forget what lies behind. Then he says, strain forward to what lies ahead. Now the idea here is of somebody who's running. Uh, this, as you know, is something that I can only think of metaphorically uh, because running is just not in me. Falling, I can fall very well, uh, forwards and backwards. I can crawl. Uh, I can walk slowly, but running, it's just not there. But if you're a runner, you know, and I've seen some, some people, some guys in the church, you know, uh, that, that are good runners and, and things. And, and if you're going toward the finish line, you just got to stretch out and you're straining and you want to get there and you want to get through the ribbon uh, and you want to go on the other side. I see this in the Olympics. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Olympic running either because uh, it makes me feel bad. Uh, so, but, but you just strain forward to what lies ahead. Now understand, this implies struggle and effort. You don't just saunter into your future in Jesus Christ. You need to struggle. You need to have effort. You need to strain forward to what lies ahead, realizing that what lies ahead of you is not defined by what lies ahead of you in this world. It's in the new heavens and the new earth, ultimately. Then the third thing that Paul tells us to do as we're rightly oriented to the future, to the past, and to the present he says, hold true to what you've already attained. Hold true to what you've already attained. That means don't lose the ground that you've gained. And let me tell you this. Uh, in the more than 30 years now that I've been uh, a pastor of churches, I, I've seen a lot of things. Uh, I've seen sin that you wouldn't believe. Uh, I've seen uh, people do amazing things. Uh, one of the most common things I see are people who always think they're less than what they actually are because they don't see themselves through the eyes of Jesus. Uh, and it's one of the great privileges to get to see people through the eyes of Jesus. And so look for that He'll let you do it. He'll do that for anybody. But I want to tell you, probably the thing that has caused me 
absolutely the most sorrow in being a minister is seeing people lose the ground that they gain. And not lose it because it was hard. Not lose it because they fell back. Because you know what? If the person doesn't quit, they haven't failed. I don't care what sin you're struggling with. If you don't stop, unless you stop repenting, unless you stop struggling against the sin, unless you just give in to it, you haven't failed. I don't care how many times it comes back up. You keep struggling. You keep pushing. You have not failed. But the great tragedy is when people just quit and walk away. And you know what I see most of the time when people do this? And I have seen a lot of people do this. I have seen people who have told me what their dreams were, what their hopes were, and I have seen them struggle and fight and wrestle for years to get to those hopes and dreams, the fulfillment in this life, and I have seen them this close, and they quit. And they fail to get it because they walk away. Let us hold true to what we've already obtained. Let us hold true to what we've already attained. We keep going. So we forget what lies behind. We strain forward to what lies ahead. We hold true to what we've already attained so we don't lose it. And then we press on. We press on. We press on. We press on in this journey to make the reality of the resurrection present in our lives because Jesus Christ has taken us and made us His own. And because Jesus Christ has claimed us, we can claim Him and the power of His resurrection. So we press on until that power is a reality flowing in our lives. We press on toward the goal of our lives. And in case you're wondering, the goal of your life is to become like Jesus. Because when you become like Jesus, you start to live your life like Jesus would live your life if he was you. And let me tell you, even though he went through difficult times, even though he was called the man of sorrows, Isaiah 53, Jesus was also the most fulfilled person that ever lived in this world. And we want to become like Jesus. We want to experience life fully as Jesus experienced life. He had relationships to the full that weren't tainted by the power of sin. I want to live that life. I want to have that experience. He could eat. He could enjoy friendships without sin. That's the kind of life I want to live. So we press on. We press on to the goal of our lives. We press on because pressing on is the mark of maturity for a Christian. You know, the mark of maturity in your life is not that you've memorized a thousand Bible verses. 
The mark of maturity in your life is not that one day you want a Bible drill of some sort. The mark of maturity in your life is not that you spent a thousand hours serving Jesus at church washing dishes. The mark of maturity in your life is not that you become a pastor. The mark of maturity in your life is that you press on. And you press on. And you press on until you reach the goal. It's essential for any journey. You press on. You press on. And that's how we live with this proper orientation to the future, the past, and the present. You know, I, I love Winston Churchill quotes. Uh, it, it's, I, I just love to uh, read those and, and discover different ones all the time. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun because he said a lot of interesting things. Uh, and I'm always encouraged because Winston Churchill was 65 years old when he became prime minister. And so just think of all the good stuff that he did after he was 65. And so I'm not quite 65 yet, so I think, okay, there's hope for me yet. Not that I'm going to be prime minister or anything. Uh, but, uh, and then once I get, you, you might think, okay, Rob, what's going to happen when you get 65, huh? Well, I remember Moses, who was 80, before he really started his, his leadership journey. And I think, okay, and I, and I don't really expect to live beyond 80. If I do, then I'll compare myself to Abraham. Uh, so there's, there's always, and then if Abraham, then it's going to be Enoch. You know, so you just keep going. You keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. I love one of the things he says. It's so apropos right now. Winston Churchill, not Enoch or Abraham or uh, uh, any of these others. He says, if you're going through hell, keep going. You all knew that, right? If you're going through hell, keep going. You know, we're, we're, we're going through a difficult time in our world. And you might be going through a difficult time in your life. It might seem like hell. So if you're going through hell, keep going because you're going to get out on the other side. Or probably one of his most famous quotes, which really is apropos here, which really sums up the idea of pressing on and how we live our lives oriented to our future, our past, and our present. He said, never Never, never give up. Never, never, never give up. Press in, press on toward the upward call of God in Jesus Christ, your Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you, and we thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that you would move in our hearts and our minds by the power of your Spirit to make it real in us. Father, I pray for each person here that you would make the future real and alive to them. The future promises that they have in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for each person here and each person seeing this. Lord, help them to see the things that they've been holding on to from the past that they need to let go of. Whether it's sin, if it's sin, let them repent. If it's failure, let them repent. Disappointments, let them forgive those who have disappointed them. Successes,
accomplishments. Let them give thanks to you for those things and not continue to try to live in those things. Let us be thankful for the past, but not bound by the past. And Father, I pray for everyone that we could see what we have right now, what's right before us, the truth that we have right now in Jesus Christ, and live in and through that reality. We love you, we worship you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I ask your Holy Spirit to come now as we return to worship. Fill us and stir us, move us, so that we become more like Jesus. For we pray all these things through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, the last song we're going to do uh, here today is called The Finish Line. It's one of the, the songs that I wrote when I was up in Scotland. Um, I debuted it here on Thursday night, but today we're going to have the whole worship team do it. I hope that you enjoy it. It's actually based on Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, but it really fits in with the message today as well. So always appreciate your feedback on songs and things like this. Uh, but it all glory all, all the time goes to the Lord. 